right, welcome, welcome everyone to episode number 10 of the SMB podcast, where we discuss all things related to the security, maturity, and best practices for your small and medium business, or the SMB for your SMB. I'm your co-host, Mark Gibson, alongside my friend and business partner, Mike Almeida. Mike, how are you for number 10 today? I can't believe we're at number 10, Mark, but I'm doing well, and, and as always, excited to jump into the topic. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so we'll uh, look at today, you know, we've had this string of guests. It's just going to be me and you today. Hopefully, uh, we can sustain the conversation uh, for, <laughs> for just a little bit on our own. Um, but today, we wanted to talk about uh, a security incident response plan. Um you know, for every business, there's obviously a lot of discussion around the idea that how do I protect from a, a you know a breach or an incident of some sort. Uh, but the question then becomes, what happens after that hasn't worked? Right? Uh, there's been plenty of things in the news. Uh, it, it's just about every day, ransomware attacks in particular are you know through the roof in terms of volume uh, in 2021. So as a small business. The question is, hey, I just discovered an incident in my organization. You know, that might be a ransomware, a breach, or some other compromise. What do I do now? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, Mark, because a lot of folks don't realize why this is so important. And so to, to, to kind of kick this off, let's talk about what's the purpose of having an, an incident response plan, right? In the moment, you've probably, what, what leads to that event? So mm -hmm. an incident is really like a crisis. It's something that it happens almost immediately and there's a lot of pressure, a lot of high impact and a lot of moving pieces at the same time. And so if you don't have something that you can look at or your organization can look at in that moment, you're probably gonna be, feel the pain a lot more than if you actually had a document to focus on. And the truth is the fewer variables you have to worry about in the moment, the better. And you'd really like the, the response from your organization to have sort of a muscle memory. You know, you go to the gym, you exercise after a mm -hmm. while, your, your body understands that. It's yeah. the same philosophy with the business. And so the result of a plan with the practice and with the review, uh, it's, it's sort of like a two minute drill, right? This happens, you grab the piece of paper, you set people in their priorities and their functions, and then they go, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's there's a lot of things coming at you fast in, in these uh, in these moments, and it's impacting a lot of people. Uh, That's right. And so, while you're going to have some centralized decision making, there's also people who are you know supporting you with this, and you're probably going to have some outside parties. Uh, you're going to have some people who maybe aren't familiar with uh, as familiar with your business and or your structure, or whatnot. So, it's you know, you w would like to have something of a playbook right, that um, everybody's working against too. So it's a shared reference. And so, you know, when we, we keep, you know, we kind of talk about the, the response plan itself, you know, maybe one of the questions that comes to mind, or at least it did for me as I was first starting these way back when, is, you know, what's in the plan? Like, you know, I'm sitting here looking at a blank piece of paper. Where do I start? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we thought we'd talk about some of those high-level uh, requirements for a plan, and they should at least include a, a few of, of these things, you know, and the very first thing is really, how do you detect and, you know, classify an incident? An incident is in and of itself sort of this vague term, 
right? It's meant to be an umbrella that captures all these things. Mm -hmm. And depending on, you know, which uh, um, framework you're looking at or which compliance uh, thing, they all mean something a little bit different, but they do have some hard edges between, say, incident, breach, uh, you know, compromise. So that's part of what you want to look at in this plan is how do you see it as an organization? Um, and because those are going to have different levels of response to them as well, right? I mean, if you have a breach where you've had data exfiltrated, you're going to have a whole lot of people that you need to, um, you know, talk to about and tell, tell them what's happened. Whereas if you had, oh, uh, somebody got an infection, an antivirus infection, or excuse me, not antivirus, but a virus on a workstation that didn't right. do anything other than, you know, compromise that machine. Well, that's a much lower level event, but still needs to be covered as an incident and, you know, kind of look through those things. So, you know, the other kind of part of that is there's two sort of main vectors for where these things get noticed, right? One is what you'd expect behind the scenes, sort of your monitoring and logging that your, your IT team might be, um, either through automation or, you know, some sort of manual effort is kind of looking at those things, capturing data. Hopefully that's happening, uh, although it might not be in some, some organizations, but uh, that's one way you see sort of these, um, you know, out of the ordinary behaviors, right? Right. But another one that's pretty common is the users themselves. They see something that happens differently. Like, oh, hey, all the icons on my desktop moved, or there's two of them, or you know, maybe they're all gone away, or whatever. There's some, excuse me, anomaly that that they're noticing, and they, you know, it might manifest itself initially as like a help desk ticket or something like that. Yeah, right. But <laughs> but how do you take that and spin it forward and have the 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 appropriate amount of um, uh, response? Uh, to that, to to treat it as not just a support ticket, but uh oh, this is the beginnings of an incident response. That's right. And um, so that that becomes part of your training for your users, right? How do they, you know, start to recognize some of those things and escalate it? Um, you know, one of the other main questions you're going to want to um, answer too is, what's the scope and impact of the incident? Similar to what we were just talking about with regard to, you know, um, is it just a single machine? that is uh, impacted or is it um, across the entire organization? Or maybe it's just some key systems. Maybe you've been able to respond to it quickly enough and isolate it to only a single server or you know a single uh, application. But how you respond to that um, and how quickly is going to be about the ideas, maybe that's regulated data, is it PHI? Uh, mm -hmm. for your clients if you have uh, HIPAA requirements or is it you know very sensitive data for you as an organization um, versus you know things that might be semi-public that it's not really that much exposure for somebody to have a copy of that um, those are you know sort of judgments in the moment but your data classifications that you've done before this should help mm -hmm. you to be able to walk through that in the plan and um, you know and then I think I'll, I'll always tell you that when I, when I look back to when I was first um, starting to, you know, really work on plans and policies, um, it didn't occur to me that there were things that you shouldn't do <laughs> during a, <laughs> an incident response. And uh, because, you know, like, like many other uh, people who 
you know, coming through the IT field, like at the end of the day, it's, Hey, how do we get it back up and working? Right. Right. And for small business owners, they're absolutely focused on that pretty heavily as well. And so uh, it's usually not a good idea to immediately restore from your backups uh, in those systems. And and the reason for that is because you're destroying a lot of, uh, you know, information that is going to be needed for an investigation or to understand the root cause of how you were compromised to begin with. Uh, and so same thing for like reboots and things like that. So there are some things that you need to rule out as don't do mm-hmm. that. Maybe some things to rule in, um, as you, as the first responder, um, to the, uh, the incident might have. And so, but then you start talking about, you know, now that we know we have a, uh, an issue of some sort, what do I do? Who do we tell? You know, we can't okay. just roll up in a ball and, and panic right in the corner. Um, and so there should be some sort of outline right around contact and communication. Uh, th- th- this kind of, kind of reminds me, Mark, uh, and I might've shared with you this story. I don't ever tell them on the podcast, but about 13 years ago, uh, when I was somewhere in an abandoned five-story mall in the middle of a Baghdad in Iraq, I got a call at like two o'clock in the morning from my, one of my bosses that told me that I had to disable every USB drive across my whole entire uh, architecture on our secret internet uh, within 24 hours and didn't give me too many details. But uh, th- this, this right here was, you know, I look back at it now, this was how we executed an incident response plan. Yeah. What had happened was uh, there, there was some through monitoring and logging, which you talked about detecting and classifying yep. an incident. Yep. Our, our, our network security team noticed some traffic that was attempting to go out to a known adversarial country from our secret servers. And like, that seems kind of odd. And they started seeing the same signature across the network. And so once that happened, they realized, hey, this is not uh, an anomaly. Something's going on. And so how do you determine the scope and the impact of the incident? Well, you've got to get all of your, your unit area, your, your, your signal officers across each of your battalions to go and figure out, first off, disable all those pieces so it can't propagate, and then figure out what's been compromised, what type of business functions are lost, is it regulated data? Well, in this case, it's our secret data, which is pretty <laughs> prolific, right? Right. So, so, so we couldn't reboot. We had to isolate. Uh, once we figured out what was infected, we isolated them and whatnot. But then when you talk about who needs to be contacted, well, you know, we talk about this from a higher level. We had to go up the chain of command, right? All the way up to the, I think the, the Pentagon. And eventually, you know, that set us back about a decade with in terms of how we communicate on the secret side. Yeah. But I, I share that story because incident response plans, like if we didn't have one and you're in the middle of a, of a combat environment, you're not in a good place, man. Right. But, but, but talking about this, you know, let's, let's go back to the real world. Let's just say you are compromised. You know, who, who are some folks that you need to you need to reach out to. So for number one, if you have cyber insurance, which if you're a small and medium business, you absolutely should. Uh, that's probably one you want to talk to. Let them know that there's an event that's occurring. So that way you have it documented in the moment. It's not an afterthought. You don't miss some time threshold that you might have to report it. It's part of your plan. So it, it can't be missed, right? It's most important. Yep. And then your legal team. Right. A lot of times there are could be repercussions. You know, are your are your customers impacted? How do you respond? A lot of times your legal team might be able to assist you in, in communicating that and making sure that you're not you're not compromised or there's no potential 
compromise with your client's data that could implicate you or they could have some litigation against you, which is important. Uh, most organizations that I've worked for, uh, small, medium-sized businesses, there's always an incident response team that has a dedicated function uh, in these types of arenas to go and to uh, contact the appropriate personnel or kick off this mm -hmm. process. So you definitely want to make sure you have those folks documented and backups as well. And then, of course, in business, you got to let your customers and your clients and even your vendors know if you're having a problem. So if they have an incident response plan, they can kick it off and they can operate uh, appropriately based mm -hmm. on the information you give them. And probably one of the most important things is the message, right? How do you get that message out? What do you say to make sure that you don't spread wide, wide panic and that the messaging is the same as you deliver it and it gets yep. to the appropriate recipient, right? Yeah, and and um, you know you mentioned sort of the cyber insurance at the at the, the beginning of that, right? One of the one of the reasons it's so critical is they're going to be able to provide you supplemental resources in all of the areas you just mentioned, right? They're going to you know even you you may already have your own legal team, but they're probably going to have somebody who specializes in in these you know cyber law or whatever the you know specialty is that helps in those kinds of incidents. And then the incident response team, man, that, that's a totally different skill set than just your normal IT provider, right? Uh, being able to, um, <clears throat> you know, navigate all of the information that comes in, and, or excuse me, you know, logs and so forth, and being able to understand how to preserve. Those are just, you know, again, going back to muscle memory. Those are just muscles that you're not exercising regularly uh, as a day-to-day, uh, -day, you know, functionality provider. And so you definitely want to have some escalation points, people who can help you with with getting through that in the moment when when time is critical, right? And so, yeah. you know, you mentioned uh, the story around uh, when you were in Baghdad, that, and and it highlights I think two important points about just you know sort of crisis management in general, right? It's always information and communication. You know, do you have the information you need, and do the right people have it? And then is that being communicated? up and down, left and right, whatever, through the organization to be able to make decisions. And then communicating that information out to external parties so that you can manage kind of your liability and or your your um, the perception of, I guess, that's what's happening there. And you obviously want to be as transparent as you can be, but you got to do that in a way that also protects your interests uh, as well. So, uh, oh, oh, yeah. interesting, yeah, interesting analogy there. I'll tell you, man, it was, it was funny. I, I joke about this later. I said, man, it was the quickest helicopter ride I ever got from the moment I got notified <laughs> that I had to do something. There was a helicopter uh, waiting for me to go and, uh, start flying to these remote sites. I said, that's, uh, that definitely, uh, definitely makes you laugh now, but back then I'm really happy that we had a plan, right? Yeah, because it's, na that's national security and yeah. you don't want to be there. And, and then the other, the other piece I'll mention here too, is at the end of the day, uh, when this happens, one of the most critical pieces that a lot of folks miss in their incident response plan is once you've recovered from that, how do you go about taking the lessons that you learned and making sure you apply them when it happens again in the future? And you notice I said not if, but when, because right. we know it's, it's going to happen. And yeah. so documenting those things in the moment, and I know it, it sounds like it could be tedious, but it's going to be critical that you document all these different time events or whatnot so you can go back when you're not under that pressure and really analyze and evaluate to say, did we really make the right decision here? How could we make this better? And then once those you've identified those changes and agreed on them, you implement them through change management and you apply them to your plan. So the next time it happens, 
you can you can get back to business uh, a lot quicker than than you could if you didn't have a plan, right? Right. So and, yeah, and, and you're looking at two aspects of that. One is your actual response process. You know, did that work the way that it needed to? Can you make that better? But then also, what caused the event to begin with? You know, that's so right. what changes do you make in, in your uh, posture as well? So, yeah, absolutely. That's an important process. What, what's the old saying? Uh, a, a penny of prevention is worth a pound of cure or whatnot. That's so, right, man. Same, same kind of deal, yeah. <laughs> you know, and as we, as, we, as we wrap up here, you know, I think about why it's important to have this plan. And I think I just kind of said it there. Uh, it's not a matter of if you'll ever be subject to any type of security breach. It's going to happen. Someone you know, someone you do business with in this world today, they will have an impact on you, whether it's directly or indirectly. You will be a part of some level of breach. And it's better and it makes more sense that you go through the motions now with a plan doing tabletop exercises. So when that does happen and all these high op tempo issues are occurring, you're going to have a sense of peace and poise because you have a plan that's documented and you're not shooting from the hip, right? You're not mm -hmm. aim fire ready, you're aim ready fire. And that actually will enable you to protect your business, protect your clients, <laughs> protect your sanity from, from those moments when you might not know what happens. And, and I think, Mark, we've worked together. Or we've seen incidents where uh, folks who have a plan do very well, and those who don't have a plan can't say the same thing for them. Right. Yeah, uh, to your point, I mean, you just got to factor this into the cost of doing business these days. Uh, it, mm -hmm. It's, you know, uh, it's probably even more likely than your fire evacuation plan that you you practice when you're in a building or on a, um, and and honestly, in some ways, this can be even more damaging than having a fire in your your business. So, um, the potential for disruption is is so great in 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 these types of incidents or issues that any um, any you know streamlining efficiencies or you know reduction uh, in the impact that you can make by being prepared for it um, is going to have, you know, it's going to pay pretty big dividends, you know, for you as a, a business owner. Um, and so, you know, one thing I'll say as we're um, kind of closing out here, you know, put the cost of, of this sort of event off to the side, you know, whether it's a ransomware payment or just a recovery or whatever. One of the things that is almost always underestimated or at least not recognized is when you get into this situation, this is not something that you get out of immediately. You should not expect that you're going to be back up and running in 12 hours. It just, you know, there's too much uh, work that needs to happen in terms of identifying where the uh, the source of the breach came from or, or the, the infiltration, whatever the case may be. Needing to understand, hey, was there a data exfiltration? What systems? So on and so forth. Before you can even begin the recovery process, right? right. I mean, there's sort of five five areas for this recovery is the fourth i think you know there's a bunch of work that's happening before then so as a small business owner it's really important to you know sort of recognize and plan for the fact that you're going to be down maybe three to seven business days and that's if everything goes well <laughs> um in your response if you don't have a plan you should really plan on that being much longer and potentially losing data and and again you know the, the stat is that 60% of small businesses do not survive a successful cyber attack 
for the next six months. So they're, they're closed within six months of that. And it's because of these things right here, right? Where yep. they have data loss or they, it's just too much of a, um, you know, financial burden. Um, and so some of this is talking about why you should protect, but then also how do you respond? Um, and that's, that's the key there. So. Excellent. And that's a good segue to next week's topic. When Mark and I come back, when we come back on our next show, we're going to talk about the cost of a breach and no, it's not what you're going to pay cyber criminals that they're going to charge you for getting your data back, but really what should you expect to account for in a breach scenario, all of the, the components of it. So we thank you guys for listening to the SMB podcast. Again, I'm your co-host Mike Almeida with my business partner, friend, Mark Gibson. And again, if we've been able to provide any value, or you just like hearing our voices, please share this with your network. Rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite apps. Until then, see you next time.